Hello, and welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange. I'm your host, Chloe Lula. Today's episode features a live recording from Dweller Festival in New York, a multi-venue event started by Disc Woman's Frankie DeKeja Hutchinson to highlight the exceptional skill, diversity, and limitless creativity of Black artists from across the globe by booking exclusively Black talent. The fourth edition took place the weekend of February 22nd and hosted artists like Fred P., Jeff Mills, Lakuti, Lorraine James, Space Africa, and many more. It also featured British artist O.K. Williams, who became known during the lockdown for her charismatic presence on the NTS airwaves. In this interview, she speaks to RA music critic Kiana Mickles. It's not going to be until black people actually have like better access to everything across the board that then we'll be able to like fix things here like black people need to have like better access to education better access like decent everything everything I don't even know where to begin and I don't know how to articulate this properly because it's actually just so deep and it goes so much deeper than dance music it goes so much deeper than the club like until we've completely completely fixed structural issues that black people face nothing else is gonna change do you know what I mean They cover a broad range of subjects, including how O.K. Williams fell into DJing, her residency on NTS, the power of Black collectives in festival and club programming, and how to properly archive and document Black culture and dance music. Their discussion ends with a Q&A for members of the audience at Nowadays in Brooklyn, so you can hear some club sounds and some sounds from the street. This is a great conversation that covers a lot of ground, so I hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Art Exchange at Dweller. Um, Thank you all so much for being here. I know it's been a really long week. Um, You could be napping right now. Um, So I really appreciate every single one of you being here. My name is Kiona Mickles. I am a music critic at Resident Advisor. And today I'm so pleased to be speaking with O.K. Williams, a South London DJ who has quickly become a vital name in her city scene. She first captured the attention of the global electronic music world with a popular boiler room set in 2019, which premiered six months before the pandemic shuttered nightlife. In lockdown, however, she was still working diligently and became known for her electronic music NTS residency, and later on, a weekly early bird residency where she played a vast array of down-tempo tunes encompassing R&B, hip-hop, ambient, shoegaze, and more. Wilm's shows have become beloved for her fresh and wide-ranging selections that draw influences from around the globe. And she's also known for her refreshing candor <laughs> as a radio host. Post-lockdown, she's touring the world and has become known for her eclectic sets, which embody the endless diversity of Black dance music. Um, so since she's playing at Dweller tomorrow morning, we thought we'd catch up with her. Um, and yeah, let's get into it. How are you? I'm good, yes. Um, tired also, actually. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've been doing dweller proper i've been doing the most yes um cute um but are you excited about tomorrow morning i am yeah i'm excited apprehensive i actually want to start from the beginning um i think 
hearing about what artists were listening to in their childhood is always a fun place to start. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, yeah, I want to talk about your Yoruba upbringing. Um, what sounds were you listening to at home um, that you feel really influenced you today? Um, hi, guys. Hey. <laughs> um, my, dad, my dad plays a lot of music. Um, so that's like where a lot of my early taste came from. He's got like a massive CD collection and records and stuff. So lots of R&B and hip hop and Afrobeat, lots of high life, mm. little bit of like reggae and dub, but mostly Nigerian sounds as a kid, um, like early Afrobeat. So it's like quite, some of it was quite poppy, but then also like lots of fellow kuti and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then myself just uh, watching TV, like MTV Bass and all that kind of stuff and lots of grime, this channel called Channel U. Right, um, right. All that kind of stuff. Okay, cool. Yes, lots of, yeah, yeah. When we talked earlier, you talked about um, how electronic music is kind of really central to UK culture. Mm. So, yeah, I'm interested in, yeah, like, was electronic music, like, I mean, always... Like yeah. Your focus or when, no, did, no, when, no. Did that, when did that happen? Not always my focus. Um, I've always listened to like all kinds of music, but like in the UK, like I was telling you about MTV Dance and it was like this channel where you could watch music videos and they just play music videos all day. And there was like channels, MTV Bass, MTV Dance and Dance was obviously the dance one. Mm -hmm. And I used to watch that a lot and it was like Calvin Harris and like... <laughs> Eric Prides and like the most cheesy stuff but I always watched that as a kid um but I always really listen to a lot of R&B if like anyone listens to my radio shows I play R&B all the time and um jazz and all that kind of stuff but I think I actually think it was when I I don't I and it was the more I started DJing, the more electronic music took over the focus and like my time. And that was the music that I was more like focused on. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm better at spreading myself more. But like there'll be periods where I'm DJing a lot. So all I'll listen to is like electronic music, but all of the rest of it is still always there. Um, I think after university was where I definitely like went way more towards like techno and it's when I like first went to Burkine and all that kind of stuff that I was like I was always already listening to dance music but that was when I was like really c committing my life literally mm. <laughs> uh yeah sound it sounds like you were a club kid uh, yeah, yeah, would, yeah, would, yeah. would you yeah. say that yeah, okay yeah. um so what what shows were you going to um how, <sighs> how old were you the first um, club I ever went to was um Fabric Okay. When I was 17, because I was quite... Um, Did you need a fake ID? I used my sister's. It said <laughs> I was 22. Amazing. And I was 17. I look, I got, I'm not going to say I look nothing like my sister, but it was very obviously not me. Um, <laughs> that was the first club I went to. You know, some of my favorite DJs um, started out as club kids. Mm. <laughs> so I'm wondering, like, when you got to the point of, you know, like, I'm going out a lot. Um, mm. I love dance music. I'm committing my life to it. When did you get to the point where you're like, I need to be behind the decks. I need to start DJing myself. Mm. 
I kind of like had always had the desire to DJ and I would always watch like boiler rooms and stuff like mm-hmm. that and be like, oh, I need to do that. Um, I don't know if I'd say there was a switch. It was more kind of like I just really didn't know what I was doing with my life. So I was I was quite aimless. So I just was like, let me pick up some hobbies, <laughs> literally. And was like, oh, I'm, I'm already collecting music all the time. I might as well learn how to mix it. Um, yeah, I don't think there was a switch where I, I kind of had always in the back of my head kind of thought that I would end up doing something in music, mm. but I just never had any idea how I would do that. Mm. Um, so yeah, I would say I just kind of fell into it actually. Yeah. How did you fall into it? Like, I, I had. Did you have no, like I didn't friends fall into that? It. I yeah. Say I, into, I didn't fall into it. I like right. asked people that I knew that DJed or. Right. I had a friend that worked at Boiler Room. Um, yeah, I had a friend that worked at Boiler Room, and then I started going there to practice sometimes, and then, uh, yeah, I was practicing at Boiler Room, and then I started volunteering at NTS Radio. And then all of this happened at the time that I was just practicing and learning how to DJ. And then everything kind of naturally, because I was in the space where that, you know, I was meeting DJs all the time and chatting to people all the time. So then I just luckily just happened to be in the right place at the right time, literally. Amazing. (laughs) Um, It's funny how you talked about um, watching a ton of boiler rooms. Um, Mm. I, I mean, I guess... Every DJ, but I still you, do. I still watch them. They're they're fun. <laughs> yeah. They're a fun time. Um, fun group activity. Um, I'm interested in hearing more about your own boiler room, um, which um, was. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. That was pretty early into your um, DJing journey. So I, I did that boiler room in November 2019. Okay. I remember very specifically. <laughs> um, so I'd been DJing for like a year and a bit. I started the first club night I ever DJed at. First time I DJed in a club was in January 2018. I remember all these dates wow. so specifically. Um, I love that. Yeah, I just remember. I just remember milestones. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was that was the first time I DJed in a club. So I did when I. First, got asked to do it. Actually, I said no initially, mm. and when I got asked to do it, I wasn't—I didn't have an agent or anything. I was just doing everything myself, and I said no initially because I was just like, I don't really feel ready to do that. And then people were just like, "Shut up, like just do it." And I was like, "Yeah, whatever, I'll just do it." Um, and I'm—I'm I'm glad I did actually. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely like um, <laughs> you talked about this. That was my first introduction. introduction to you interesting yeah yeah because I didn't I don't I don't think that boiler room was particularly popular or like or I don't want to say it wasn't that good but I look back at it now and I'm like oh god like god that's <laughs> terrible but I, I I don't think it was at the time I didn't see it as something that had propelled me that much mm-hmm. but I guess in hindsight it, it obviously did yeah I was interested in hearing more about that because um yeah I feel like at least historically, maybe the reputation of Boiler Room has changed a little yeah. in the past couple of years. But um, typically, like, I understand, like, why you'd say no after yes. just a year and a half of DJing. I just, it's I didn't supposed want to be trolls, like, like, being like, she can't DJ, which they still were anyway. Right. Like, But it's supposed to be 
um, historically it had been something that you do at the very peak of your totally. career. Yeah. And, you know, um, it kind of solidifies, you know, yeah. your status as, you know, an mm. established DJ. Um, so, yeah, but I'm, I'm glad you did it anyway. Me because too. Um, at least for someone who's based in New York, um, mm. that, that was my first introduction to you. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah. Sick. That was quite, that's quite an early introduction, <laughs> not, not, I think. Not to give Boiler Room more credit than <laughs> I they mean, deserve. I was watching, I literally was watching Boiler Room yesterday and I was like, damn, <laughs> this is nuts. That's, it's still doing that crazy thing of making people famous overnight. It's kind of crazy. But yeah. Um, but you said that... Um, your bookings didn't really change much because you were already getting like I think pretty nice. Yeah, before that happened, I was getting like bookings that I was quite happy with. And they, 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 it was like a steady progression. Like literally every month, I just get bookings that were a bit better and a bit better. And I was like, oh shit, like this is actually happening. And then I did the boiler room, but all this other shit was going on behind the scenes. So it was like all these things kind of fell into place really naturally at the same time. And it was like a really natural progression. And then after all of that, after the boiler room, I played Panorama Bar for the first time, but I got the booking for that before that as well. Mm -hmm. And then I joined an agency and all this, it was all kind of happening very naturally and quickly though. And then pandemic happened, so. Right. <laughs> yeah. What's that like? Oh, I know that's a big question, but I yeah, mean, I'm so curious to know um, mm. what it's like to, like, it just it seems like everything happened very quickly for you. And then just like, okay. It was kind of crazy. Yeah. It was, um, it was nuts. Yeah. It was, it was, um, I mean, the pandemic was shit for everyone. So, you know, but, um, I was fortunate that I, like, I, I could still, I kept doing my radio show, so that was like a really good outlet. But then it was like shit, cause I didn't have any decks. So then I didn't get to like mm. mix for months. And I was just like, am I even gonna do, is this even gonna be a thing? Like, you know, um, yeah, I just wasn't really sure what was gonna happen, but I just kept doing my radio show and I focused on that. And that was like a really nice, fun, like way for me to like keep in contact with people and, still keep doing DJ sets, but obviously just online. So I was I was really fortunate that I left the pandemic, you know, equally, if not better than I entered it. Um, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think some of my favorite um, moments in your radio shows is when um, you talk about a set you <laughs> just played. <laughs> you like talk about a show you just played, yeah. and it's like people in the chat room will be like, "I was there." Yeah. Oh like, yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love when people are like, "Great set here." I'm like, "Oh, sick! You were real people." <laughs> but it's like incredible that you were able to build that kind of it was. fan base. Like, would you call it? I think that? also NTS has a, there's a chat room mm -hmm. and I've always been in the chat room. Even before I was ever DJing on NTS, I was in the chat room and I used to work there and I was always in the chat room. So I just feel very connected to the chat room. Mm -hmm. I'm still in it all the time. Um, <laughs> so I think that really helped build like a community. Mm -hmm. Any of you guys in the chat room? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> Amazing. See, it's like yeah. proper, it's like a real community that's in this little discord now. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very cute. Um, yeah, um, when we were talking earlier about um, your NTS residency, you mentioned that 
um, after lockdown mm. in the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. It was the early bird residency that people really resonated with um, mm. and, you know, um, you know, um, were paying attention to in lockdown. And um, you also did all of this out of your bedroom, which, you know, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, like in my pajamas. <laughs> Like I'm not even brushed my teeth on the radio. It was terrible. Right. Um, can you talk a little bit about like the work that goes into um, hosting a radio? Because it was Wednesday and Thursday weekly. Wednesday and Thursday, 7 to 9 a.m. every week. Yeah. Um, so It was a lot. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about what it was like hosting that? Do you know what? I actually think doing that early birds, it was starting to really change the way I listened to music. And it was actually like, I would then just kind of like, just constantly me be consuming so much music, play it on the radio, not listen to it again, like do that every single week for four hours worth of music. And it was just starting to drive me mental. And all, and and yeah, but there's not, I mean, yeah, that's part of the prep. The prep for doing it obviously is like digging, looking for music. And that's really all the prep that goes into my radio shows. I'll sequence them always. Not the early bird, because that was super chill and I was just chatting and playing tunes. And But I did two shows during the, during the lockdown. I'd do the early bird in the morning and then in the evening I'd carry on doing the DJ show that I was doing anyway, where I'd do my mix. Um, and that show, I'd, like, I'd plan that quite meticulously and I'll find all the tracks or I'll, whatever mood that I'm in that week, I'll kind of base the song choice around that and then sequence them and then order them. But I never plan what I would like say or anything like that. Just plan the the order of the show. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right, right. That's, yeah, something I noticed um, about um, your early bird show is that you play um, a lot of like very new mm. music. Yes. Um, so yeah, it, it seems like you're like constantly on the pulse of a lot of different trying. Genres. Yeah, trying gets a bit hard sometimes, but that's not me, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, just trying, but um, word sometimes um, gets a bit. I, I slack. Yeah. I'm so I'm curious to know like what you're listening to at home because a lot of the tracks mm. that you were playing um, in that early bird show are like, you know, nineties R and B, super ambient stuff, yeah, like pianos and jazz. And yeah. That's that. like a lot of the stuff I, that's what I listen to at home. home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's okay. what I listen to at home. Sometimes I listen to like techno at home too, but, um, most of the time when I'm chilling, the music is pretty mm-hmm. chilled. Um, yeah. Do you feel like you have to have a separation between no, what you're, okay. Never. I, there's for me, like there's no, separations with music like I just see it as I don't know if this would even make sense but I literally just see it as music like I don't I don't have like any time of day or anything like that I'll listen to anything at any point whenever um yeah same um Mm. but haters will say that Mm -hmm. You know we're weird, but <laughs> I. You they know, will. They do I, I say love, it. They you know, do. Some minimal techno at twelve p.m. Yes, it, like nine a.m. Like I don't care. You're joking. <laughs> answering emails. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Going into your hosting practice a little more. Um, 
I, I don't know. I, I love how um, like honest you are on your shows. Um, you're making a face. So <laughs> I'm always like trying to not be too honest. Like I don't want to like say too much because I could say a lot and I don't need to do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love it. You know, yeah. I love when you're I'm like, candid. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I love when you tell your guests about how you're feeling that day. Yeah. If maybe you're not mixing as well as you would have wanted to. But I regret um, doing that. relatable. I know, but but like, <laughs> it's like, shut up. Like, you don't, like, that, that one radio show where I was like, oh, my mixing's terrible. <laughs> it was mix of the day. I'd never had a mix of the day before. I'd never had one before. It was a good and then, mix. I'm just like, why is that the why? Now mix of the day is my, me, like, literally, like, having a meltdown. Like, it was because I had just come back from a festival and... It was like that time of the month when I was just like spinning out on the radio. Like, <laughs> it was really bad. <laughs> I really... <laughs> it was terrible, but I just can't help it. <laughs> I really, I really enjoyed, you enjoyed that it. mix. Okay. Um, I, do you know what? I listened back to it. It's pretty good. So. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> Some bankers. Yeah, um, but I don't know. I think it really embodies this um, freedom that is allowed Mm. on pirate radio and particularly mm. NTS mm -hmm. like totally. um, for, your, for your early bird show um you played before Charlie Bones who is known for like just like doing whatever chaotic just doing whatever mess on, no, on the no radio. shade no shade in the <laughs> no, best no, in the best way for. literally yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and um I'm wondering um if you know because we we talked about um you initially having some trouble you know figuring out your hosting practice. And I'm wondering if, you know, being conscious of this, um, I guess like anything goes approach that is very attached to pirate radio mm. um, is something that kind of aided you in that process. Um, I definitely think being on NTS and like the no rules aspect definitely has made it easier for me to just kind of like feel a bit relaxed and loosen up a bit. Cause I don't know, I would, everything is like so free at that station that like you can just like fuck up, but it's fine because, you know, it, there really are no rules. Um, and I, th I think just kind of like working there and watching and then hosting and doing radio with other people that were really good at radio and just like listening and paying attention. And like, I think the only thing that really makes me that good at radio is like kind of like, I don't know, I can talk freely, but it's kind of like the pace at which you speak and the way you kind of talk and the tone of your voice and all that kind of stuff is, I think helps to make a show sound really good and quite slick. So I just watched other people and, mm -hmm. and kind of paid attention to what they were doing. Um, but yeah, I like NTS just cause you know, I can say whatever and you know, cry about my shitty blends and, <laughs> and not, you know, it's not a problem. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, well, okay, so I know that you plan your um, radio shows very meticulously. Mm. When you're playing in the club, I'm always interested in hearing how people plan for their sets. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like um, when I'm playing, it's like sometimes I'm really nervous. Yes. I, <laughs> I'm planning like, mm, yeah, you know, yeah. very meticulously. Yeah, 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 but yeah. if, you know, I've been playing, um, you I'm know, just same. like, chill gigs, you know, um, 
I'm improvising more. And those are usually more fun. So how do you um, go yeah, about that? Yeah, same, same. It's really like uh, if it's a gig that I'm really nervous for, um, th then I'll plan it quite meticulously or if it's really long. I've planned this set pretty meticulously. Mm. Um, how long are you playing for? Five hours. Ooh. 9 a.m. <laughs> till 2 p.m. Is that, um, have you played yeah. that long before? I've played for four hours loads. Okay, um, okay. I played for four and a half hours one time. I played for four hours loads, so that's okay. fine, but never five. It's my longest set. Where, okay. Mm. Um, does, when does it start feeling like? Like I want to stop. <laughs> Is that what you're going to ask? Something yeah, like that. I knew that. it, I knew it. Or, or I was, or we could, you know, make the question more positive. <laughs> <laughs> Does do you ever like get just get into like a flow state? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Definitely. But but then you reach a point where you're like, um, like flow state stop. is nice. But like <laughs> after being up there for like five hours, I'm like, okay, that was great. But somebody else can take over because also also I want to dance. I want to have right, fun. I want right. to enjoy the party. Um, there was one one set that I did it at the school at the end of last year. And that was for like four and a half hours. It was like four hours, but I didn't plan it. I don't know. I don't know why I didn't plan it, but I was then like really nervous, but that was probably the most recent set I can remember where I really just completely just was at one. Right, yes. right, right. Well, if you're playing all these four hour sets, yeah. are you going out? Well, after or before? Well, just generally. Am I going out? Just generally? Like, do yeah. I go out? Yeah, I mean, yeah. okay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there are definitely yeah. DJs. Of course, who though. Yeah, no, of course. You only see <laughs> when they're playing. True. So, no, I'm. Yeah. you will see me when I'm not playing also. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good. Because you're, I'm sure, learning a lot from... What, being out? Yeah. I think so. And also, I, I just love clubbing. So, I'm there. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I want to talk a little bit about the post-lockdown scene. Um, mm -hmm. And you've been playing in Europe for some time now. Um, mm. And when we spoke earlier, you mentioned that certain venues um, that previously might have excluded certain genres, um, mm. like club music, a lot oh, of... A lot of Panorama Bar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Might have, you know, excluded certain genres um, prior mm. to the pandemic, mm -hmm. um, you know, post George Floyd mm. um, were more receptive to um, a more diverse range of genres um, and maybe also um, a more diverse range of DJs. DJs. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I'm wondering if like, I don't know. I'm, I'm calling it like post George Floyd diversity. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like what you make of that, and if you think that is sustainable. Um, I think I've noticed after since like 2020 and um, post George Floyd. Um, I think actually a lot of what I notice and what I really want to see more of and what I would hope hopefully like to do myself is just more black people um like having their own platforms their own parties their events their own magazines and like 
just that's what I've seen in the UK more like more POC people taking like matters into their own hands like Daytimers which is a collective for like South Asian people in the UK and they've started their own festival and obviously Dweller we're here like that's what actually what I think is that's what is sustainable mm -hmm. because I think personally like um we can't rely on white people to do things for us um, and that's fine. I mean, it's not, but it's fine. So what I am seeing is is people just doing it themselves. And I, I like Sherelle, she started a studio, opening a studio called Beautiful, which is for like black and queer artists and all that kind of stuff. Like that's what I think is the most sustainable method Certainly. of inclusivity. Certainly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I don't know, I think it is, worth noting, um, like you mentioned, you know, all these um, POC. I see more um, DJs and stuff, sorry. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. Um, but yeah, I think that, um, you know, people are paying attention in, to, you know, initiatives like Dweller and Absolutely. seeing the value in, mm. <laughs> um, you know, um, yeah, like the fact that people are flying from across um, you know, th the world to yeah, totally. see electronic music purely from the source, electronic music with mm. soul um, that's real and authentic. Mm. And I think that, you know, um, a lot of promoters are maybe trying to capitalize on that. Um, and yeah, I'm wondering um, how you feel. Um, I'm sure you experience this um, pretty often where mm. you're the only um, either black person um, or black yeah. woman on, yeah, yeah. on the lineup. Have you? How do you reckon with that? I mean, I live in Europe, so <laughs> I live in the UK. <laughs> like, that is the regular, like mm -hmm. in, in in Europe, and I don't know. I think I reckon with that just by turning up and just doing like the best that I can and will every time and just playing a killer set and just being like, you guys are blind. Mm -hmm. Can you not see what's what this is and right. watch, well, I'm not even trying on. to be disrespectful. I'm not even gonna be rude, no disrespect. But um, <laughs> like, can you not see like, you know, the talent that is being wasted and like the mediocrity that you choose to stick with always, but no shade. Word. I mean, <laughs> you can throw shade. I mean, We're, you're in a safe space. Am I? Is this, this is going on the internet? No, <laughs> <laughs> that is not a safe this space. This is going on Resident that Advisor. Is, you yeah. were right. Are you joking? <laughs> it's going on RAs. <laughs> safe space. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, so can I read you a quote from... <laughs> a quote from me? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, so in your 2020 Galdem interview, yeah. you said, when I play my music, black people say it's white uns music. Yeah. <laughs> Is this a sentiment that you still see when you're out? Um, or do you feel like the communal knowledge among black clubbers has changed since this is like three years ago now no I mean that was like in, in the UK not really in the UK there's mm. still not really that many black people at raves really no there's That's definitely so more here 
I think maybe if I was, if, if it was like, if more black people were to organize electronic music parties, maybe there would be more black people there. But there's mm. barely any black promoters mm. and there's not really many black ravers. Um, mm. So uh, amongst the majority of black people in the UK, yeah, it's still instance, yeah, totally. But like, that's something that like is, we're trying to like work towards changing. There's a radio station actually called No Signal in the UK and it's like, it's run by black, black people, black artists and it's just playing like black, mainly urban music. But I did a mix for them not long after that, that Gaudem interview came mm. out. That's during lockdown, I did a mix for them. And that was cool because that was like a very much a black station and people on there are not listening to dance music at all, but it was quite well received. So I think there's like a slowly a shift happening, but clubs are still pretty white in the UK. Interesting. NTS okay. is black owned. Yeah, NTS, NTS is, is black owned. Yeah. Uh, um, but I feel like a lot of people don't know that. Know that. Yeah. I don't think many people do know that, no. Because Femi is quite low key, it's not, yeah. Word. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, but you have seen lineups change. Definitely, that right? um, and the club has changed too. No, there's, there's, I have, there's more diversity. There's more things happening. It's less, a little bit less white, but still a lot of work to be done. But I've definitely seen a lot more diversity on lineups. Mm-hmm. And um, are there any um, artists that you're excited about coming up? Oh, I'm so bad when people put me on the spot like this. Oh. <laughs> uh, my friend Amalia, she's sick. Uh, DJ called Miel. He's like M-I-E-L. She's really sick. Um, another girl actually called Kessie. These are all black girls, by the way. Um, Kessie, who's, come on. She's covering my radio show next, next week, actually. Well, she's, I've got a guest mix from her next week, and she's a really sick techno DJ. There's, but, uh, there's a few people, yeah. There's a bunch. There's loads, actually. Lots of really, I think also since um, lockdown and stuff, there's um, definitely, I think, more up and coming DJs. I feel like before lockdown, there was way more like the the 1% and everyone else. Right. But I feel like now it's kind of, there's way more DJs that are kind of um, getting cool bookings and doing their own parties and doing cool radio shows and stuff. So yeah, there's a lot of talent yeah, this the same thing is definitely happening yeah. in New York. Sick. Um, yeah, a lot of um, DJs kind of just emerged out of lockdown mm. and started getting amazing bookings, mm-hmm. which is important. That's um, cool. Because yeah, um, we we need um, just like newer mm-hmm. talent. Um, yeah, to totally. be excited in, about. Definitely. Um, so I'd like to talk about. It's it's not really a fun subject, but touring. Oh, yes. <laughs> so your traveling schedule has picked up in the last couple of years, and touring as an artist last year just sounded awful um, with increased flight prices, mm. um, crazy airports, um, just you know a lot of canceled shows. Um, I wrote a piece about it, and it yeah. seemed very difficult. It was. Um, and I know generally every DJ I know seems to have a love-hate relationship with the extensive travel that DJing at a certain tier mm. requires. And you yourself described it as a novelty that 
can wear off very quickly. Did I describe that to you or was that somewhere something I said you publicly? Just, oh, was that off the record? Oop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was. I'm oh. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm curious to know. Um, yeah, like how are you hanging in there, basically? Um oh. This month's been quite hectic as well, actually. I, I went to India like the week before this. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. You're gonna have to ask me more. <laughs> you're gonna have to ask me more of a question on how am I hanging in there because I I don't have an answer for that. That was a really bad question. <laughs> I don't. No. <laughs> Sorry. Not even. Not even. I just how am I? I don't. I'm. I hate it. Yeah. I, I hate mean, I, I guess like. Um, I don't want. I don't want to say I hate it. I hate flying. I yeah. hate flying. Um, so yeah, that's one thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess like, have you found anything to be stabilizing while you're traveling? I feel like this is like all still something that I'm kind of like figuring out yeah because yeah, I haven't really been traveling for that long it's probably been about a year um maybe a bit more so it's definitely something that I I'm not I I'm no expert in and I I I actually need all the tips hmm. so <laughs> I don't know I, know. <laughs> uh, I mean it's great like I like sometimes I call it like uh I, it's like high risk high reward because when I went to India, like loads of things went wrong and I like didn't get picked up from the airport and like there was no room for me at the hotel that I was going to be at. And I'm like literally about to have a breakdown in the in the hotel lobby and I'm there questioning all my decisions. I'm like, why am I here? Like, why am I doing this? This is. And then I had the best time after that. Like mm -hmm. I had the worst entry and then I had the most incredible week. So now I was like, it's fine, it's all worth it. So it's like, it's up for me anyway, it's like, I hate all the travel and like sitting in airports and all that kind of shit, but I just love the actual DJ set so much that it just makes it worth it for me. Um, but it might not be for someone else because there's a lot of people that don't like it and don't actually really even enjoy DJing that much, but I really enjoy DJing, so it makes it fine, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, like you said, like, I'm sure the novelty wears off when you're playing, you know, um, a lot of the same songs. Like, I'm, I'm sure if you're like traveling, um, but like I, really I it doesn't it doesn't wear off for me. The the, the flying part wears off. See, the DJing part never ever wears off. I, I guess I guess I'm talking about more generally. Like okay, I can yeah. understand yeah. Um, how it can get a bit repetitive. Definitely. Um, yeah. Definitely. Um, okay. Well, I'd like to talk about um, some fun things you're working on. Um, oh. You're <laughs> producing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just trying, just, um, yeah, just trying to express myself in different ways, really, like, really. How long have you been doing that for? Oh, gosh, too long to have not actually put any real substantial music out. 
Um, I kind of, I first got Ableton actually ages ago on my computer. I've had Ableton on my computer for years. And then I would just kind of fuck around and make like loops over the pandemic, over lockdown. And then, so I'd say since lockdown, but no, I'm, I, it's not not long. No, 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 it's not long, but it's uh, making music is such a difficult subject for me because it's like, Everyone does it at their own pace and in their own way, but it can also be a massive head fuck. So it's something I'm trying to not like put too much pressure on myself about. And I'm just trying to like really truly express myself. And I don't know what what that music might sound like. It might not actually be that clubby. I would like to make some club stuff, but mm-hmm. that's not where I think my production, I would want it to only be. Um, but yeah, I do I do piano lessons. I have a really nice piano teacher. I love him. Um, yeah. Was um, is making music something that you always thought you would? Yes. And end up at. I actually have always wanted to make music. When I started DJing, in mind, I was like, that will help me get closer to making music. Mm-hmm. But then DJing just completely like took over. But that has always been what I really wanted to do, but I find it, just find it quite hard. Do you have any mentors? Like, No, I need to, I need to get some, it's not something I'm taking seriously enough Mm. up until, until recently I started doing piano lessons and stuff. And now I'm actually trying to like dedicate time and like put time aside for studio time so I can actually have a deadline and then work towards that deadline and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, and you said you've been influenced by techno a lot recently. Mm, yes. Is, is, are these tracks going in that direction? Some of them. What are you being inspired in that, by? Any, gosh, I'm actually like uh, really inspired by kind of like more left-leaning, ambient mm. kind of R&B, shoegazy vibes is mm. way more what is what inspires me. But I also, like, I'm techno also, I find quite meditative. And obviously, like, in, and they have, like, of late, there've kind of been times where I'm, like, feeling a bit, like, spirally. And um, all I want to hear is techno because it just kind of, like, you know, you just wash it away for a hot second, you know? Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm wondering if there's anything else that we didn't cover, like anything new you want to tell us you're working on, you're excited about? I don't think so. I'm just like, you know, trying to, just trying to live my life. (laughs) Well. (laughs) I think that's it. Do you have any, any, anything else? No, I think I'm going to open it up for um, a Q&A. Do you guys have any questions? <laughs> Anyone? Um, thank you guys both for speaking tonight. Thanks thank for coming. For, thank you for prepping and thank you for Thanks for being, being here. here. I've yeah, seen you likewise. play like a handful of times and sick. it's always been a pleasure. So oh, sick. Thanks. I uh, can't wait for tomorrow morning. My question is in terms of your production, are you a vocalist? No, <laughs> but I'd like to be. <laughs> You should. You have a like a lovely voice. You should definitely uh, speak over your tracks. I know. I've 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 heard this. Um, yeah, know. I'm kind of like doing all kinds of stuff. Honestly, um, there's some stuff that are kind of with vocals, some not. Um, 
I really like lots of talk vocals and like rap. I actually, in another life, wish I could rap, but I don't have any bars. But um, <laughs> yeah, oh yes, TBC. Hey. Hi. Uh, great talk. Uh, Thank you. Great interview. Um, I really like the question you asked Kiana, uh, Kiana on like, just like if, the fact of promoters like kind of tokenizing black people after George Floyd, after the pandemic and really kind of like, you know, oh, we have this like really great black person or black femme DJ that's playing this lineup. And it's like a very mediocre white lineup. And it's kind of like this like special moment. But really, it's like kind of like, oh, we have them play first and then we have this serious mm. act coming on. So it's like, you know, it's really great hearing your kind of thoughts on that. And, you know, I worry, and I like how you say, like, kind of take advantage of it. Because, like, you know, if it's a big moment, just take it. But, like, what would you rather say, like, what further things would you say to, like, people who get those, like, it, it kind of feels like really tokenized in a way. Mm -hmm. But, like, what else would you say take advantage of if they get big opportunities or, like, you know, connections and things like that? I mean, I, like, I would always say if an opportunity comes your way, just take it. And, like, I know maybe being tokenized is not it's really not the one but um it's kind of like if you don't do it who someone else is going to do it and they probably don't you know they don't deserve it any more than you so you know what i mean yeah um i've always been aware i know that's happening and i know yeah. that had happened throughout my career but that's not something i ever really thought about and it's not something i ever put too much thought into I'm just like cool I'm getting this opportunity I'm gonna take it and do the best that I can with it I'm not thinking about you know why they booked me and I think that sometimes would be something people would suggest to me and I'd be a bit like fuck off like whatever I would have boys that I started DJing with or boys that were showing me how to DJ and they would you know imply that they'll be like you know this is a great time for you because you're a girl because you're black this and that and that leaves a that I'm like you're insane to even say that to me yeah. but that was something that I would just I, I don't care I'm not I'm not thinking about that I'm just doing my thing and if they're booking me for that reason you're right well done because I'm sick do you know what I mean no yeah just take it <laughs> do you know what I mean no yeah and, yeah. and like to finally add on to that like, yeah you know because it, it could I completely understand what you're saying yeah, yeah. though and where you're coming from because I, I totally I get it but just kind of no yeah I, I feel like having that mentality is really great because it's like i get the gig i get the gig whatever like mm. you know i'm like either you're getting paid at the end of the night or mm. you know it really propels you um because like it can also have like kind of like a mentally like you know kind of it's overthinking all, like oh my god like yes. are they booking for this or booking for that and i feel like a lot of promoters kind of like don't like either through emails or like just saying oh i'd love to book you it's like you know feeling that excitement and really seeing that they're booking you for you and not yes. just like for any other reason really I think you can kind of tell a lot of the time yeah. i could always i can always tell especially i can tell when i'm getting booked because you know i fit i check some boxes or it's because it's somebody that is actually really interested in me i think i've been quite fortunate especially also because i didn't have an agent for a lot of the time that i was djing that people came to me because they listened to my radio show or because they've heard a mix or they'd seen me dj so i think i was quite fortunate that i never really had too many random shitty promoters that were just trying to tick boxes um, but I think sometimes when you think about that stuff too much, like it then becomes like the negative voice in your head. And I, I and I uh, don't want to, you know, get too deep, but I struggle with those. So any, anything that's too, anything like that, I'm just like, okay, that's one, 
one negative voice that I'm shutting out because I'm getting booked and it's this is what I want. So I'm going to take it as it as it is, you know? No, yeah. And I, I think like that's why I really wanted to hear from your perspective because I feel like a lot of DJs like, you know, either they're not getting booked as much or they want to get booked or they are. There's like always that negative kind of like voice in their head like, you know, why are they booking me or things like that. And it kind of has a mental toll of like, you know, really should I be getting into DJ if I feel like this is kind of happening. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but thank you for answering that question. Thanks for asking. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what's hey, up? Hey, how you doing? Hello. Good. Yes. Good evening. Um, <laughs> shout out NTS. Yes, come on. Um, okay, two questions. Yes. When you're not listening for dancing, yes. some songs, what are you listening to? Or artists, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, I get my Spotify out. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm going to be annoying. Uh, how has your Nigerian heritage influenced your relationship to music? Okay. Yeah. All right. Should I answer the first one? For the first one, first one. There's actually this compilation that I've been listening to by Year Zero 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 One. Have you guys heard? It's like this Swedish. You know that one. I've been listening to this compilation by this. Uh, it's called Rift Two. I'll play it on my radio show, no doubt. Um, and then another compilation, I'll give you two comps, and then this compilation is called Index. Index OXOXXL. But if you just search index compilation, it'll come up random. But these are all all this stuff is all you know, it's it's like the other, it's like the other one. It's all very like chill, experimental, kind of yeah, all that jazz. Um and the other question, what was the other question? Um, my Nigerian heritage. We, we did cover this. We spoke about this it. Was, this was, it just, I think my Nigerian heritage just has meant that I um, play all kinds of music. I don't know why. I don't know. I think it just means that I, I'm very influenced. Like everything's really like rhythmic and driving and, you know, um, you know, I don't know how to explain it. It's more like a feeling, I think. But I, uh, people say to me that they can kind of hear like a kind of Afro influence when I DJ, but I don't even play that many tunes that are like that. It's a couple, but I, I'm very like open and I'm, I'm down to play anything in a DJ set if it kind of fits in with the vibe. I don't know why that might have, that, I don't know how that relates to me being African or Nigerian, but I, I think it does in my head. Um, yeah. Um, so earlier you were talking about, um, when you were doing two NTS shows at the same time, your high volume mornings and then the evenings, Mm. and you said you were kind of having to find a lot of music for that and that that maybe wasn't your favorite. So I was curious during that phase, did it change where you were looking for music and how you were looking for music? And then in a perfect world, how do you find new music and engage with it and decide whether you want to play it? Um, I think doing the early bird, doing a lot of radio definitely changed how I was listening to music because I was listening to music. It was like way, there was way more urgency. It was like, I have to find new tunes. Whereas like now I don't feel like I have to, I've just always want to anyway. I've always wanted to find new music, but I think sometimes doing too much radio then makes it an obligation, which I don't like, um, so yeah, and it definitely made me just kind of take music in from more places. 
Um, just because, just because of the necessity, like I needed to find music all the time. So it just meant that I was like on Twitter looking for music, on everything looking for music, which was kind of not what I liked or wanted. It kind of um, like I kept doing that radio show, but for a long time while I was doing it, I loved doing the show, but I wanted to stop because I just didn't like the way it was making me consume music. Right now, I, I don't have any, I, like, I don't feel like pressure to always dig for new music all the time. And I feel like for so long, I was like constantly searching for music all the time. But there's actually so much music in my iTunes that still is to, yet to be discovered by me. So sometimes I just won't dig for music for a bit. And I, I just kind of, um, I've always, like literally since I was a child, had an iTunes library and bought CDs like, that's always something I've been doing. So I just do it naturally anyway. And so for me, it's like, I just, if and when the time comes where I'm inspired to look for music, then I just have a look through and I take my time and I don't feel like, oh, I have to find stuff. And then if I'm, you know, listening, flicking and digging and I don't like anything that I'm finding, then I just stop because I don't, you know. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. I just kind of, I just take my time. I don't, I don't really feel any, any need to. And that's when I think I find music the nicest and the music that's like the best when I don't, when I'm not forcing myself to dig for music is when I just come across stuff that really resonates with me. Yeah. Hey, um, first of all, thank you both for being here. Um, oh, thank, thank you for being thank here. You. <laughs> uh, it's a pleasure. And, uh, my guess is that this has probably already been asked, so feel free to be like, just listen back. Um, <laughs> but I don't know, interesting, growing up in the States, I feel like I've always had like a huge fascination of like UK dance music specifically from like, you know, acid, hardcore, jungle, mm. garage grime. And I feel like I love shows like People Just Do Nothing or like yeah. A Boy that kind of like, yeah, yeah. that stuff. so I guess I'm curious if, um, yeah, just like from your perspective, like what you feel like, you know, your kind of pathway or foray um, into the introduction of kind of dance music is. And if you already did answer that, I'm kind of <laughs> curious if you feel like what your relationship is to dance music that might be regionally specific to the UK. Um, yeah, it was, I was saying to somebody the other day, like in the UK, kind of like electronic music and raving and stuff, it's kind of like popular culture almost like it's really something that we're introduced to from a really young age people always say to me that I'm like such a UK DJ because I'm I'm very very influenced by Detroit like I I've listened to a lot of music from Detroit but other than that like most of the music I listen to is from the UK like I love jungle I love UK techno I love break break B and hardcore and all that kind of stuff. So like, I'm very, very influenced by UK sounds. And I think there's a lot of them in my, you know, in my DJ sets and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I think, I think there's like a very specific energy that comes from the UK. And sometimes it's like a little bit dark and a bit, I kind of like all that kind of darker leaning club sounds which I think it can be, yeah, because a lot of that, lots of hard drum, all that kind of stuff is all very UK. Yeah, all, all that jazz. That's that's way more where I where I reside. Hi. Um, you mentioned uh, in your talk with Kiana about how there aren't many uh, non-white pro 
promoters, more specifically, there aren't many black promoters in the UK. Mm. And um, I was wondering first, why do you think that? Obviously, you could be as careful in saying that as you why want. Why do I think that? Why do you think that? Whether I know it's exactly like, why. I mean, like more in like, obviously, like, you know, racism, things like that. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, of course. But like more in just like, is it because clubs don't like taking risks, things like that? And then second, you also talk about how it's more sustainable to build your own things. How, what does that look like in the UK, like building your own parties and things? Because out here, we're fortunate to, enough to have clubs like Basso, where on the weekends, you can have DJs as big as like Juliana Huxtable and things like that, and people like that. And then on Tuesday, Monday, you can have, you know, your your roommate DJing, <laughs> your random roommate DJing there. Mm. So what does that look like in the UK? As I'm, I'm a big fan of a lot of different UK and I try yeah. to pay attention to what's going on. But obviously mm. I don't live there, so I can't see. But mm. I'm very curious what that looks like. I mean, there's also there's a lot of clubs in the UK that do that similar kind of thing. They will like, um, you know, they'll have like bigger DJs sometimes, but then they'll also have like open deck sessions or any of that kind of stuff. I think a lot of that in the UK is like there are more um, collectives and like people running their own like open deck events or like running parties and like making sure that they kind of look for talent that's like very local. Um, there's also like a lot of people putting on their own festivals, opening their own studios, like that kind of stuff is like when I say build your own, it's just um, being less rely on, on like external sources you know like to be honest the reason I don't think there's many black promoters in the UK is just because like because in the UK like dance music is just so whitewashed and like I want to I would like to throw my own events but I don't want my event to just be full of white people and I know that's what will happen if I put on a party so I'm just kind of not bothered um and also in the UK like there will be and this is less electronic music focus but like um black people can will sometimes um put on events and they get cancelled and like there's like a um, yeah if they're like black parties if they're parties that are playing like urban music they were like there's there used to be loads of laws that basically stopped clubs from playing certain kinds of music in the uk that's just kind of like don't know historically the uk is has always been like that so it is just harder for people to put on black events but obviously kind of different um but i just i don't know i i think running parties and being a promoter is quite it's quite risky and it's also something that like you could sometimes lose money on and all that kind of stuff so you kind of have to be in a position where you have enough time and spare spare time and spare money to be thrown a party anyway and spare time and spare money comes with a certain demographic anyway so it just be like that literally and then obviously when when a genre and scene has been so completely um when its history has been so I can't, I don't want to say rewritten, but hidden. I was like, people are always kind of like confused or they always want to ask like, why is dance music so white? But when something's been appropriated so aggressively and then its actual um, roots have not been shouted about. Because if you want something to stay, you need to talk about where it comes from. You have to like, the history of this music has to be 
pushed it to the forefront all the time and that's never been done. I don't hear any white DJs talk about where dance music comes from or its appropriation, but if more white DJs did that, this scene would be less white, but it's only black people that, you know, are asked or bothered to talk about it. So obviously when you don't talk about, you know, white black, um, electronic music's appropriation, it's not, people are, are not gonna know about it and it's gonna keep happening. It's gonna carry on. Um, so I, I just, I'm always so baffled when people seem to be confused by like why clubs are so white. It's like, like literally use your brain, like, duh, like, wow. Next question. <laughs> hey, um, thank you so much for the talk. You actually touched um, on the question that I want to ask about, um, you said about like black culture being hidden. And I think it's, we're sometime in a space where like erasure is something that happens. Like, Absolutely. Um, Lauren James like posted, I think an article or maybe she like- Yeah, about Julius um, Eastman. Yeah, uh, the just, composer. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, I think about that sometimes about like, how do we archive and document black culture in this context? Because sometimes you go to events and they do promote um, black artists, but it's sometimes I feel like it's performative and like me working behind the scenes in events, I always think about like, how do we archive this properly? And mm. I guess my question is like, what are your thoughts about that? And if Oof. you have any, I know I it's, mean, I, it's like one of the last questions I didn't want to like hit no, you. No, no, no. <laughs> I just, I, 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 I do not have that many answers. Just, um, I don't know. What do you think about that? What would you say, like, how 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 do black people correctly document to to stop ourselves from being erased? A solution. Sometimes I think about it is like sometimes like running your own publication or running oh, your yeah, own podcast. Like yeah, 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 yeah. That that's really key. But sometimes like the funds aren't there. You know, like it's harder to harder to be sustainable. But it's I, I think maybe at a basic level, like what's the first acts that we could do. The thing is, and I don't want to get too deep, but like, we're here. Lol, right? The reason, the thing is, like, it's like black people don't run publications, don't have their own radio stations as much, or their own clubs, clubs, like, even just a club. I need a club owned by black people. I need more clubs owned by black people. But when. This is like a problem that stems from society. Like it's not, this is not a problem that we can fix just like here. It's something that like we have to fix outside of this space. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, I mean, it's not gonna be until black people actually have like better access to everything across the board that then we'll be able to like fi fix things here. Like black people need to have like better access to education, better access like, needs to needs to have like everything everything I don't even know where to begin and I don't know how to articulate this properly because it's actually just so deep and it goes so much deeper than dance music it goes so much deeper than the club like until we've completely completely fixed structural issues that black people face nothing else is gonna change do you know what I mean so <laughs> it's, it's not a nice answer <laughs> like I think on a micro level, something yeah. I always think about is just like keeping things within the family. Yeah. Um, like 
you know, as a writer, um, if I like ever need um, someone to take photos for an assignment, I'm like, all right, here's, um, you know, my very talented black friend. Absolutely, yeah. Um, or if I'm DJing and I need someone to make a flyer, I'm like, all right, I know my friend makes flyers. I trust their vision. I know that they understand um, our party mission enough to, you know, like really capture the essence of what we're trying to do. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Um, that's, that's a good that's, solution. That's, 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 that's like a, a very small, like small, small one. Yeah. yeah but, that's a good one. Um, I don't know. I, I literally yeah. just don't have any answers to any of these things. I just, I just can identify the problems. Right. <laughs> Thanks so much for your questions, y'all. Um, I think we're gonna close out. Let um, nowadays do sound check. Oh, sure. um, <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you all for coming. Thanks for coming, everyone. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this live RA exchange with OK Williams. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the RA Exchange for more updates. We're always looking for more ideas for interviews, documentaries, and series, so give us a shout at exchange at ra.co if you want to work together. Until next time, take care. <laughs>